Hello, good evening, and welcome. Welcome to the 24th episode of Atlas Live on this rather chilly fall Friday in November. This evening, we are going to in a way, follow up on our live stream from Wednesday. But it won't have been necessary for you to have tuned in on Wednesday. But if you did, that's great. If you didn't, you can always go back and watch it on YouTube or on Facebook. But it won't necessarily be critical as we explore tonight's topic. We were in part inspired to approach the topic of conviction and courage of conviction because on Wednesday we were talking about picking one's battles and the history of the history behind the film <clears throat> the history behind the film hacksaw ridge by mel gibson came up and we were discussing how Desmond Doss, who the film is about, he's the only conscientious observer ever to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor for service. He entered into the Second World War on the basis that he would not take a life. And he refused to carry a gun. And for that transgression and his refusal to obey orders when he was ordered to carry a rifle ended up leading to a court-martial hearing. And Desmond Dawes, Private Dawes, he had no special rank, no special privilege, stood up and upheld with the courage of his conviction that he would not carry a rifle, that he would not take a life, but that he wanted to serve. He knew he had to serve. He wanted to serve his country. And he felt the best way that he could do that would be to serve as a medic, as a combat medic and that he would go into combat with his fellow soldiers and he would serve as a medic, but with no means to defend himself. No sidearm, no rifle of any kind. It's a remarkable film, difficult to watch. And what's remarkable about it 
is it reveals to us a great deal about the nature of this word conviction and indeed the nature of the word courage we intimated in the description to this video how the word conviction has been degenerated its meaning like the meaning of so many words has fallen prey to the phenomenon of entropy which is that which is order leading to disorder and everything breaking down so truth breaking down into untruths lies and misinterpretations and half-truths and shadowy remnants of the truth shadowy reflections perhaps but the essential meaning of words does tend to get lost conflated confused confounded or outright contradicted when one thinks of the word conviction in fact when one does a search for the word conviction a google search to find info about something just ask you can say something like how long that that was our phone responding to the phrase google and search um boy these smartphones are very smart aren't they they're so smart they don't know the difference between speaking and me speaking to the phone in any case let's do this we might as well go through this exercise together let's do a search for So here we see that according to Google, according to the definitions that it finds on the internet, conviction is a formal declaration that someone is guilty of a criminal offense made by the verdict of a jury or the decision of a judge in a court of law. For example, she had a previous conviction for a similar offense. The second form of the word, the second definition, a firmly held belief or opinion. She takes pride in stating her political convictions. Now, going back to our hero here, Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss went to Okinawa, Japan, along with his company, and ascended the so-called Hacksaw Ridge, which several companies ahead of them failed to take and were horribly slaughtered by the Japanese. The Japanese fought ferociously. And Desmond Dawes 
went into battle without a firearm with his company and their company too was utterly decimated utterly and there were literally hundreds of men wounded and left for dead on the ridge as the remaining soldiers who managed to survive the first wave they descended back down the ridge, the uh, ridge to the beach where that was held by the Americans. Desmond Dawes stayed on the ridge, and over the over the next what 12, 18 hours, perhaps all through the night, he single-handedly. went over the ridge which which was now held by the japanese and until morning he single-handedly found treated and rescued 75 wounded soldiers and he he let them down the ridge he made a makeshift harness for them out of rope and he and he let them down physically and the next day his company which had been reinforced was going back to take the ridge and uh, and he returned with them back into the fight when you consider that and when you consider the fact that he had faced a court-martial and then he goes to japan and he he performs what his fellow soldiers and every man that he saved simply referred to as a miracle and desmond dawes himself never took any credit for his heroism. He said the entire time while he was up on the ridge in the dark alone, scouring the strewn and mangled bodies of the dead, looking for survivors, listening for calls for help in the dark. The whole time, all he was doing was praying God, just let me save one more. Just help me save one more. What is it about that story? What is it about that conviction that sounds like a belief or an opinion to you? What is it about that story, that true story, sounds like something related to a criminal someone who is guilty of a criminal offense does one perform an act of heroism like that because of a belief and what belief 
could he have possibly had? Could could he possibly have had? The word conviction, if we look not for the meaning, but the etymology of the word, we end up breaking the word down into its two components, con and wake or vict, victus as in Invictus, as in the word victory. Let's, can we make this? Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. So, calm is the archaic or classical Latin form together, together with or in combination with, to be beside to be near, to be by, or to be with. This becomes the first part of the word conviction. And wake, although it, it means uh, to fight and to conquer, right? Uh, a conqueror, vincere, uh, Latin, the victor, a conqueror. But also we have various different versions of this, you know, able in battle, to fight, to be brave, to be energetic. to be one with, and to be together with the victorious, to be with victory, to be on the side of the victorious. How does this become belief and opinion? And how does to be on the side of the victorious become associated with criminals. Well, the word conviction, to be one with the victorious, to be one with God, to be one with the Logos, to be together with, to be bound together with, to be bound together with, is yug in Sanskrit and relegare in Latin, the root words of yoga and religion, to be bound together with, as in the ties that bind. So the very heart of esotericism and spirituality is this concept, and not just a concept, but the metaphysical practice the, the metaphysical science of achieving union 
with one's own innermost divinity. And through that union, through that togetherness, through that oneness, through that binding together, through those ties that bind, achieving oneness and union with all beings, through the Logos, through the innermost intimate Christ, which is an inner, which is an essence of the, the perfect multiple unity, the great Christic force. So conviction, then, is to be one with the triumphant, with the resplendent, with the glory, with the majesty of that which is victorious over the dark, over evil. To be one with love, to be one with resplendence, to be one with compassion, to be one with the Logos, to be one with the Christ. At no point in the etymological foundations of the word conviction does belief or opinion or criminality enter into the picture. But to the Black Lodge, to the egos, who are the adversary, they don't want the Christ to be victorious, and they don't want any monads, any souls to be victorious, and they certainly don't want any of us to be bound together and to be on the side of the victorious. The Black Lodge, the egos, our egos, want to enslave us. The battles for the soul, the battle for the souls of humanity between the forces of light and dark, good and evil, white and black, the White Lodge and the Black Lodge. Well, it's a it's a war, it's a battle, it's a conflict. So obviously, clearly, the Black Lodge doesn't want us to be bound together and on the side of the victorious. They want us to be on the side of the losers. Because certainly in ancient times, if you were captured in a time of war, you were enslaved. You were considered to be just another spoil of war. Like any other loot, like any other spoils of war, like any other financial economic gain that comes from conquering another people's captured soldiers captured citizens they were enslaved and that enslavement came the rationalization or justification for that enslavement was on the basis of well look i spared your life i spared your life so now i have leverage over you I conquered your land, I conquered your people, I destroyed your army, but I spared you, I spared your life. So now I hold leverage over here. I hold your life in my hands, so now you are enslaved to me. That was the rationalization of it. And that's why slavery goes back all the way back. White men didn't invent slavery. 
white slavers in the United States did not invent slavery. Slavery goes back pre-Roman times all the way back into ancient antiquity. Well, I mean, just read the Bible, right? You read about Exodus, you read about slaves in Egypt and and all the rest of it. So that's that should go without saying. But the enslavement of humanity by the Black Lodge, by our egos, that is uh, a different matter. And but notice how conviction is to be on the side of the victorious and to be one with or together with the ego is to be a slave, is to be the loser, is to be the one who is vanquished be on the side of the losers, the side who are on the, who are not the victorious. And the ego can't have that. The ego can't, can't have people walking around with conviction. So, well, what do we do? Well, the first thing we do is we convince everybody that convictions are just beliefs. And what we do is we fill people's heads with beliefs and opinions and dogma and superstitious, superficial, literal interpretations of religion. And we get them to become fanatical about those beliefs. And we tell them, the more fanatical they are, the more conviction they have. It must be conviction. Look how fanatically you hold on to your beliefs. It must be conviction, right? But if the beliefs are just exist in your mind, it's just a product of ego. Your, fanati your fanatical uh, attachment to them, identification with them and attachment to them, how is that being one with victory? How is that being one with, where is the yug? Where is the relegare? Where is the union with divinity? How are you bound to the truth? If it's a dogmatically held, fanatically held belief. But that is what has been passed down to us in modern times as what conviction is. And there are probably out there <laughs> no shortage of cynics who would look at the story of Hacksaw Ridge and, uh, and, and Doss and what he accomplished, Desmond, and what he accomplished. And there's probably no shortage of cynics who would look at his accomplishment and, and scoff and say, well, he was just a fanatic. And fanatics can do all kinds of superhuman things. Interestingly, Desmond Doss was a, 
uh, Christian. Um, not sure exactly what sect of Christianity he belonged to. It was possible he was Lutheran or or Anglican or oh, I really don't know to be honest with you. But he was he was Christian. He was a fervent Christian, and many of his fellow soldiers were also Christian. It's only late in the movie that we discover the real reason why Desmond Doss refuses to carry a gun. And as it turns out, it has nothing to do with his religion. Because as we know, since the time of since the time of the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, in fact, and the uh, the Crusades, Christians have had no problem taking life, slaughtering one another and slaughtering their enemies and slaughtering Muslims. And, you know, Christians have had no, no problem with war. There's nothing inherently in the religion as it is taught. If anything, religion has been used and Christianity has been used. Certainly Islam has been used for political gain and war, war. But Desmond Doss's reason for not wanting to carry a gun is shown to us in the film. And it is a powerful scene because it is a scene of gnosis. It is a scene of self-evident experiential knowledge in which we as the audience have the revelation of the birth of conviction. A conviction that is, does not come from a book did not come from a bully pulpit. It did not come from anyone impressing upon him that belief or that dogma or that theory or that opinion. It is not some ancient creed of nonviolence which he decided to adopt for self-righteous mystic pride and you know, pseudo-spiritual reasons like Gandhi did and, and Gandhi who used his nonviolence as a form of passive aggression and we talked about that on, on uh, Wednesday night. This is a man who in his whose father was, a, was an alcoholic, also a soldier. He, his father served in the First World War, was a decorated soldier, but he came home from that war shell-shocked and he turned to alcohol, as many soldiers did from the Great War, the, the Great War. And it's late in the film, Hacksaw Ridge, that there's an intimate moment between Desmond Doss and one of his fellow soldiers and the particular soldier that he finds himself in a foxhole with 
it's not so much a foxhole as a crater on the uh, on the ridge the soldier that he's with is probably one of the toughest meanest and most crack shot hardened veteran soldier in his company the real badass of the company and up to that point that particular soldier uh sort of tormented das kind of mercilessly as as a coward as a weakling as someone who's not you know who's not willing to carry his weight didn't want to carry a gun didn't want to defend his fellow soldiers right but over the course of the the events up on the ridge this hardened mean tough crack shot veteran soldier watches Das and sees the conviction within him fueling his courage you see that soldier's courage is fueled by anger and frustration and antipathy and uh, cynicism from being abandoned as a child by his mother and having grown up in orphanages and and so on uh, and so his courage comes from his anger and his his meanness his toughness that he kind of learned over a lifetime of of abandonment and having to grow up really fast and having to learn how to take care of himself but in das he sees something phenomenal in this svelte thin unarmed easily judged weakling he sees this tremendous courage coming out of him and but no anger no animosity no frustration no cynicism no negativity just the radiant unwavering unflinching conviction and das earns this hardened veteran tough badass soldiers respect and the soldier begins to shadow das up on the ridge and the two of them begin to go around soldier to soldier patching them up and 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 carrying them out off the ridge and in this intimate moment of the two of them hunkered down in a in an impact crater together they have this exchange where the soldier sort of admits how different they are and yet he 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 chooses to express to uh to dos his kind of confusion about about what he's seeing what he's what he's witnessing and 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 why das won't carry a gun and so then das tells him the reason and 
hopefully this isn't a spoiler for anyone hopefully nobody will treat it as as such um it's based on a true story so it's not like i suppose any of this is real spoiler but das describes an incident when his father well he says he says to the soldier he says you know the other guys and the sarge and everyone you know they call me a weakling they call me a coward they call me all these things and and he said and and you know i i grew up with an alcoholic father and and my father used to beat me he used to beat me all the time and he says well i could take it for my part i could take it but what i couldn't take das says to the soldier is when my father beat my mom and then we flash back to an incident when Doss's father was beating on his mother and Doss grabs a gun, a pistol, and cocked it, pointed it at his father's head and gave his father an ultimatum that he would never touch his mother again or he would blow his head off and it's a it's a, a visceral uh, very impactful very very moving very real depiction of how such an event took place keep in mind that the real desmond Doss was still alive and participated in the making of the film he was a consultant on the script and he was a consultant on the story um so the story of his life and this and the 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 details around this incident are probably embellished somewhat but at the same time uh completely believable when you immerse yourself into the scene you immerse yourself into the moment this young man stepping up to defend his mother against his alcoholic father and and holding that weapon and pointing at his father and cocking it and and, and his hand shaking and 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 the soldier says to Das, but you didn't pull the trigger. You didn't kill him. And Das said, Das just simply says to him, in my heart I did. In my heart I did. He said, that's when I made the promise. That's when I made my promise to God. I would never touch a gun again.
And what becomes very clear in the course of history, in the course of watching the rest of the movie, is that Das probably wouldn't have been able to accomplish what he accomplished, saving those 75 men single-handedly alone. Had he been armed, had he been, had he given into and become accustomed with and become comfortable with the idea of taking life. You see, God had a purpose for Desmond Doss. His innermost being shone with a radiance of compassion and love for others and to preserve life and, and to, to eliminate suffering for others, beginning with his mother. And his divine mother orchestrated for him an experience just put yourself in the shoes of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a teenage boy in the 30s. Holding a revolver pointed at his alcoholic father. Who had he had, who he had spent a lifetime being abused by being beaten by and who he had spent a lifetime witnessing his mother be abused by and beaten by and now here he was with that great invention of vendetta and vindication and justice right the great the cult peacemaker Revolver pointed at this monster. His hand shaking, his mother crying, wailing, his father shouting. And just put yourself in that rage-induced, high-intense, everything dialed up to 11, all the emotions dialed up to 11, and the physical tension and every muscle flexing in your body. To bring you within a hair breath of pulling the trigger, but it didn't matter to Das, because in his heart he had already pulled the trigger. In his heart, he had already convicted himself. And he surrendered to the justice, the justice of his divine mother, the severity and the justice of his divine mother and of his innermost being. He put down the gun and 
his penance, his conviction, his conviction, that which he would be beholden to, that which he would be bound to, would be to would be that that would the that that incident that experience would be the first and the last time he ever laid hands on a weapon the first and only time he ever put his hands on a weapon because he had already convicted himself in his heart as being a murderer And from that was born the conviction. Any desire for retribution, any desire for vengeance, any desire for violence, any desire for taking the life, any desire for taking the quick and easy way was conquered. What was victorious in its place? The road less traveled, the difficult path, the hard path, the path of principle, the path of sacrifice, the path of courage against all odds, and the courage to stand against all judgments and the courage to stand in one's status, in one's beingness of conviction, of being a convict. To have, to have had his shadow, his dark side, that, those aspects of his ego, which, which, would made him, would, which would have made him into a murderer in the eyes of the world's judicial system, but because he recognized he was already a murderer in the eyes of karma, in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of his innermost being and his divine mother, in his heart, he was already a murderer. And therefore, he convicted himself in the light of that. And that was the birth of his conviction. That is the origin of the word convict in the legal system. A conviction in a court of law is when the evidence piles onto the case and a defendant is proven guilty under the weight of the evidence. So the defendant sides with the victorious the defendant is conquered by the truth now that's all in theory when it comes to the worldly legal system which as we know as has uh, is not infallible but the law of karma It's a very different system. And he convicted himself 
And he, as a convict, as someone who was conquered by the victorious, now he was bound to the victorious, to his innermost being. No belief, no opinion, self-evident experiential knowledge, gnosis. There's no religious, no dogmatic, no philosophical, none of that. It was a conviction born out of experience and out of a circumstance that was divine for him by his divine mother. You want to talk about being on the razor's edge, how's that for an experience? To be put into a fit of rage and to be holding a gun and pointing it at the monster who had been beating you and your mother for your entire life and your hand shaking and to the point where even in your heart you've already pulled the trigger and yet Somehow, somehow, by some miracle, you don't pull that trigger. You put the gun down. And there's much more that rolls out of these circumstances and out of that, that choice that he made. And one of the things that rolls out of it was the fact that, it's a, and again, a beautiful scene. He's there alone in the dark, on a ridge, hundreds of well, many, 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 countless hundreds of bodies strewn about a battlefield that's blown to hell because it's been bombarded by artillery from offshore and, and, and all the rest of it. And Desmond Doss starts to pray. And he says, what do you want from me? tell me but I can't hear you because just imagine in that moment Desmond Doss was no Gnostic he was no initiate he had no training in metaphysical he did not meditate he didn't know anything about receiving guidance from the innermost being or any of the things that we talk about on a practical level he was a he was a he was a Christian all he knew is that God was out there somewhere. That's what he believed. And yet his conviction wasn't about any of that. And so he prays. He says, so tell me what to do. I, I can't hear you, but I can't hear you. And, 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 and in that precise moment that he prayed that, all of a sudden... Off in the distance, he hears the faint cry, Medic, help. And without hesitation, immediately, it registers with him. God just sent him a sign. He asked for a sign, and there it is. In, out there in the dark somewhere, that's my sign. That was the first man that he saved that night, all alone up on that ridge. 
it's that type of knowing that's the real nature of conviction to have conviction is not to be attached or identified with some belief conviction comes from a place of profound knowing that comes from our experience it comes from it comes from that it comes from our higher self and it comes from the the deep knowing that our place is to serve and our place is to surrender as a convicted felon surrenders to the authorities and goes to prison only in our case it's the reverse we're already in prison we're in the prison of our mind we're in the prison of our ego and it is through conviction and surrender to our higher authority our innermost being our true self that we are freed from prison we are liberated from the prison of fear from the prison of pride from the prison of narcissism from the prison of worrying about our reputation from the prison of worry about how worrying about how others judge us when we convict ourselves when we live as a convict with conviction bound together with the victorious the victory the glory of our innermost now we are capable of miracles now we face the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune without fear without hesitation without questioning without double guessing without double guessing and without worrying about what other people are going to think about us or what our family is going to say or how am i going to make a living or what's going to happen to me no all we know is that is, is that we have this this quiet confidence that comes from surrendering to victory and letting go and abandoning all those worries and all those reasons and all those rationalizations for why we should do this or do that or you know listen to what other people say or what have you whatever the case may be we have a well we're going to share with you something personal as if as if as if none of this has been personal enough but we're going to share with something with you personal we have always used 
as a kind of gauge when we are witnessing something experiencing something that is divine in nature divinely inspired when we are being touched by the Christ in let's let's backtrack for a moment we've always been a huge fan of movies I've always loved the movies and for a long time I wanted to be a filmmaker I went into English and drama in university and uh, and Atlas Arts was the first aspect of the Atlas project which ever found a formulation in my imagination and I would make films and TV programs and and uh, uh, plays uh, dramatic presentations and video games which would move others the way I found myself being moved and I have always been easily choked up but not not by I never cry in movies I don't know if you know the movie Old Yeller I never cried when Old Yeller died I don't cry in movies when things are sad I don't I'm not moved when things are scary when things are gross when things are all of that stuff doesn't affect me I cry when things are beautiful when when I cry at the beauty I cry when I see the fingerprints of God when I hear the sweet song of the Divine Mother when I see the resplendent light of Christ in whatever form expressing timeless universal truths and when it's like it's like something reaching out of the screen and 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 right straight into my heart like an arrow through the heart and this blooming light and fire and warmth and this voluptuous eruption unfoldment like if like it's like like watching a lotus flower under time-lapse photography blooming in my heart and it just it's it come I just it comes over me and I become overwhelmed and I and I break down and I start to cry and this for me has always always been a kind of 
gauge, a helpful marker, not, not a red flag, but a, a green flag, a white flag, that's, that in which I knew, I knew that I was being touched by the divine in that moment, because nothing else but that can make me break down in that way. Only the truth, only the light, only the Christ. We watched um, Hacksaw Ridge last night. And we cried nonstop from the moment that, that Desmond Doss finds himself alone on the ridge and begins to pray to God. Through to the end of the film, through to the end, through to the end of the the end credit sequence. The rest of the movie is just preamble. It's just backstory. It's just setting the stage for the miracle. The real life miracle of a skinny young lad who had grown up beaten and abused by an alcoholic father, who nearly murdered that father in cold blood. and then swore he would never touch a gun again, but was among the first to sign up and volunteer for the Second World War after, the, after Pearl Harbor, who was abused, who was, who was judged, ridiculed by just about everyone he encountered in the military and very nearly court-martialed and sent to prison because of his conviction and his courage and his knowledge, his inner knowing that he had he had to do what he had to do Slings and arrows of outrageous fortune be damned. Court marshals and generals and 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 colonels and sergeants and 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 be damned. He had to be on that ridge. It is such a rarity.
you go on the internet, you go on Google and you start searching for conviction, it'll break your heart. It'll break your heart. What the experts and the psychologists and the and the and the and the, the motivational speakers and the self-help gurus will tell you about conviction. It'll break your heart. And when you hear all the stories about all these people who had tough lives and tough childhoods. And they live with the victim mentality. And they expect everyone and everything in the whole world now to bow down to them because they've been victimized and they're so traumatized. And they justify every sin under the sun. They justify every ego and every egoic behavior because I'm living with trauma. How many of them could climb up on that ridge today, I wonder? How many of us could do it? So why is why does this matter? Does this, you know, is this important, or is this just base sentimentality? Am I just getting caught up in the emotions of a heroic story and a someone who, uh, an individual and a life that's, you know, Hollywood made a uh, exploited a film out of and some sentimental piece of schlock that. I found myself get hypnotized by right it's possible anything's possible except that our generation we haven't been tested no one no one living today under the age of 50 has really been tested. Not like the generations that came before. But our test is coming. And in many ways, our test is already here. And that's partly what we were talking about on Wednesday about picking your battles. Because things are only going to get worse and the authorities, so-called, are going to be coming for us. And they're going to be bringing with them a whole set of mandates, demands, laws, prohibitions what are we going to do what are we going to do brothers and sisters when we face the music when we face the court
And do we know where we stand? Have we had our moment where we have made of ourselves a convict, where we have convicted ourselves and surrendered to the only true source of victory within us? Have we Have we, despite, have we gone through our own traumas? Have we, have we experienced our own moment? And have we comprehended what our moments were there to offer us in terms of experience, in terms of clarifying for us where our convictions lie and where the source of the quiet confidence and limitless courage in the face of every danger, in the face of every judgment, in the face of all threats and all repercussions. Do we have, do we have that anchor within us? And do we have ready access to that anchor when the storm comes. And, and even, and because of all of that, do we have the humility, the down-to-earth acceptance, recognition, of our place <laughs> because the storm is already here and it's swelling it's swelling <clears throat> do we have what it takes to stand against the tide or are we going to fold this is not a question of mythical proportions or uh, any sort of hyperbole or over exaggeration of any kind it's not Hollywood sentimentality. It wasn't Hollywood sentimentality to Private Desmond Doss. It was what allowed him to perform a miracle and save 75 lives single-handedly, hunted and hounded and surrounded by countless Japanese. who were taking no prisoners, who were completely merciless and ferocious because that's the way they had been 
conditioned to fight. And yet in the face of all of that, Desmond Dawes only had one mantra. God just help me save one more. And perhaps the reason why we cry throughout that entire section of the film is because that's the same prayer we say. It's the same prayer we pray to the Logos. Not, but not my will, but thine be done. And help me, well, day in and day out as we're waiting for other circumstances to change in the broader Atlas project. I mean, we say, you know, we just pray for the help that we need in order for us to fulfill our destiny, to fulfill God's work. But day by day on Facebook, for example, in these live streams, for example, our inner mantra, our inner prayer is, is simply help us reach one more, help us save one more, help us help one more get a little bit further toward their awakening, their enlightenment, and their self-realization. We mentioned this on Wednesday night. We're not, we never ask anybody to click subscribe or leave a like or any of that stuff. And the reason why we don't do that is because, yes, we're here being fishers of men. But more than that, we're here to be fishers of fishermen. But what kind of fishermen are we? Since the days of my youth, when I envisioned Atlas Arts for the first time, it was inspired that I too would reach the poor masses and touch them and move them with, with beautiful, resplendent film and television and so on, that I will touch them in their hearts the way I was touched. And I would move them to tears and I would move them to joy and I would move them. I was thinking in terms of one who fishes with a net. I was thinking like a commercial fisherman. that I'll cast a broad net, the broadest net possible. And with that broad net, I will catch many fish and I'll be the greatest fisherman who ever lived. And with all those fish, we will feed the, we will feed the world with, we will nourish the world with those whom I catch in the broad net. Well, I'm a bit older now, 
a bit wiser. Not by much. Just enough wiser to know. But that's not the type of fisherman we are. We're a fly fisherman. And the truth of the matter is, is the Christ fed the multitudes with two fish and two loaves. If we remember that, if we remember, if we remember the par if we remember the story correctly, what need of we of nets? What need of we of the multitudes? Here and now, we have nine beings, nine monads, cloaked in bodies and dressed in personalities. Here and now, it's you and, and me. And I'm just casting a fly out over the water. If you've ever seen the film, A River Runs Through It, it was directed by Robert Redford, starring a very young Brad Pitt. It features fly fishing. And fly fishing in that film is very much a metaphor for the dance of life and finding one's own rhythm, one's own conviction. To be an artist and a master of life itself. It's a beautiful film. And like, like the Legend of Bagger Vance, it's a very esoteric film. Legend of Bagger Vance is actually... Um, the story of of Arjuna and Rama, um, the story of Arjuna from the Bhagavad Gita. It's an adaptation of that story into a contemporary, well, not so much contemporary, but but into a uh, into an American context, a more contemporary adaptation of the same tale. So it's archetypal, and it's esoteric. A river runs through it is a little is, is a little less so. It's a little less direct in its illusions, and yet one cannot help but feel the deep philosophical and spiritual undertones in that film and the story of these two brothers. Some say it's sort of a Cain and Abel story. Um, there are various different, I mean, you can read various different versions of that. We don't take any of our, any of our um, insights from that film 
from what others have said about it. It's not that type of film in, in, from our perspective. You can, you can watch it simply in a meditative state and the truth will, will, will hit you, which is how we approach most, well, scratch that. It's how we approach nearly all of the films that we watch. As maybe there was perhaps if there's perhaps a few exceptions to that rule, but only when we're talking about subjects that of a highly historic nature that where there's sort sort of history or some other things that come into matter, and sometimes we will consult what other people have said about it. But certainly from the from the esoteric point of view, and from extracting the universal truths that are embedded in the work. We don't rely on what anybody else has to say about that topic, about that subject. Not when it comes to contemporary films. There's, we have the confidence of our conviction that the insights that we receive are presented to us like the findings of a divine courtroom. We are like the clerk in the court and there's a divine justice and it's handing down its verdict. And what does the judge do? The judge hands the verdict to the clerk and the clerk reads it to the courtroom. Or the jury hands it to the clerk and the clerk hands it to the judge and the, whatever the case may be, whatever that pomp and circumstance uh, in, it goes, because it's different in different jurisdictions of courtrooms anyway. But you get the idea, you get the idea. And that's why this conviction and its relationship to the law all right sofula i we're not going to try your last name sofula hopefully we're pronouncing that right says i feel nothing can comfort me in this here and now Did you come here looking for comfort? What is it about the notion of following one's conviction that suggests that that is a source of comfort or security? Surely Desmond Doss, up on Hacksaw Ridge, by himself, surrounded by the Japanese in the dark, praying to God to help him save one more man, surely he's, he was not searching for comfort. Was comfort on his mind? Was comfort in his heart? 
or was it the courage of his conviction that allowed him that gave him the faculties that he required to perform a miracle what's incredible to consider is the fact that this was a tall lanky young man he was not strong he was not a strong man he was not built he was not a you know he was he was made fun of he was he was he was uh, all of his all the other soldiers made fun of him the very idea that someone like that would carry a you know 250 pound soldier uh on his back and then and then let him down on a rope down a ridge to the beach below it was almost laughable what was it that he had that allowed him to perform a miracle or allowed a miracle to be performed through him if not the courage of his conviction the path of destiny the path of being has nothing to do with comfort and security but there's a confidence quiet confidence that comes from that inner knowing that we are bound and together with victory with the source of victory with our inner god with our divine mother and that there is a law there is a there is a law there is a rule to this game called life we are never thrown anything that is be that is beyond our capacity to handle so let us repeat that none of us none of us will ever face anything that is beyond our ability to handle to deal with to cope with so long as so long as we convict ourselves so long as we have conviction so long as we bind ourselves to the power and the light and the resplendent source of victory inside of ourselves now i don't know about you but for me personally that knowledge lifted a huge weight off of my shoulders and surrendering to my innermost and swearing to uphold my conviction and surrendering to the plan of my divine mother for me lifted a huge burden from my shoulders 
didn't mean didn't mean that the suffering went away. It didn't mean that the hardship goes away. We still have to face what we have to face, and it's not going to be easy. But if you have your conviction, if you know that you are, if you know that you don't walk this path alone, and that those entities, those beings who walk beside you, within you, who are you, so much of the worry, so much of the, the neuroses, so much of the questioning and the self-doubt and the and the you know concern about what other people say and do and all the rest of it so much of that falls by the wayside so if going through life with the quiet confidence and the courage of your conviction puts you in a place of not worrying about what to do and when to do it and why and how and for what reason, then perhaps you can take comfort in that. And again, we stress that our generation hasn't really been tested. I mean, none of us were in Vietnam. None of us had to face anything near Vietnam. Uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, okay. And, and, but certainly none of us had to face anything like the Great War or the World War II. But we are at war. It's just that the war that we are in is not a physical war. At least not yet. It's a metaphysical war. And the forces are lining up against us and all around us. The enemy is, in, is encircling us and enclosing. It's closing its grip. So again, all of us will be faced with some difficult challenges, some difficult tests. And the question that we have to ask ourselves, each and every one of us, do we have the courage of our conviction? Do we know where we are going to draw the line? And do we know why we're drawing that line? And not think and not believe and not theorize, not none of those none of none of those things okay all right no i am not here for comfort your video came up first oh you're on youtube okay when i open the internet i just woke up I know all these. It feels like I am screaming in a void. 
we don't want to put words in your mouth, uh, Sofula. We don't want to assume or judge what you mean precisely and how you feel precisely. Those feelings are yours. But when you use the term, it feels like, when you use the expression, it feels like I am screaming in a void. That speaks to me. Because I feel like that. I certainly felt like that a lot. And I feel that way sometimes. Like, I'll give you an example. We have a two and a half hour video on the esoteric significance of the Star Wars saga. And all we can learn and how it's an absolutely unprecedented, contemporary, living, breathing example that shows us how mythology degenerates from recognizable universal truths into idolatry and 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 into empty idolatry and and uh, uh entertainment and that and how the forces of entropy are responsible for that and but that's only one lesson embedded in that trilogy of trilogies in the skywalker saga are incredible incredible like a, like a cornucopia of esoteric wisdom and truth and so we spent a great deal of time and effort in in making a a video uh about this and um Oh, hang on. We're just going to minimize it for a second here. Uh, it's had 1,000 views. And it's it was published over a year ago. Well, it's now nearly 18 months ago. And we it's only had 1,000 views. And only 32 likes. This is just one little example from our point of view. And we have, we're beginning to get on, well, we're not on hundreds of hours of yet of live streams. We've only done 24 live streams. But between our live streams and our blog, um, right, we have literally hundreds of hours of content uh, written that's going back years now and you know even today we posted something on Facebook and some of the some of the re reactions to it were just mind-bogglingly baffling especially in a Gnostic group and 
it seems sometimes like screaming in a void is one way to put it. Another way to put it is being in a crowded room and screaming at the top of your lungs and nobody hears you. Now, we don't know if this is, if, if you can relate to our experience, but this is what conjured up, this is what your statement feels like I'm screaming in a void conjured up in us. Sometimes we feel that way. But then we take a moment and we remember that we're not here fishing with a net and we're not looking for a platform like, I don't know, Bill Maher has or, or um, Joe Rogan or, you know, or, or, or Jordan Peterson where he literally has millions of followers because we're fly fishing. We, we don't have to reach the masses. All we need to do is, like Desmond Doss did, save one more. That's all we need to do. That's all any of us need to do. Just get through one more day or one more moment moment by moment that's the work the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step and is completed with a single step and and another and another and another and another and if you find yourself feeling like you're screaming in a void relax take a breath remember your divine mother remember your innermost being and pray visualize them in whatever form they take they can take whatever your divine mother can take any form in the universe so you can imagine her in any form and she will be there with you and pray to her. And what do you pray? Just help me, help me. Help me get through one more moment. Show me the next step. Just the next step. From our perspective, what helped us and we, uh, you know, we share this article uh, with you and there's a link in the chat. Um, this article is all about our individual divine mother and, and how it is she who arranges and orchestrates and organizes all we need in this lifetime, in our journey to fulfill our destiny. 
It's not by accident we chose the image we, we chose here. And what we went to great lengths in this article to outline is this visual. That, hopefully you can make that out on your browser or on your phone or whatever you're watching on. That is a breadcrumb trail. And if you are familiar with Hansel and Gretel, the fairy tale Hansel and Gretel, all fairy tales are secret esoteric teachings, by the way. All fairy tales without exception, teach timeless universal truths and metaphysical science, esoteric wisdom. What does Hansel and Gretel teach us? That Hansel and Gretel only make it through the dark wood because of the breadcrumb trail. So here's the prayer that we would pray to our Divine Mother, when we felt lost in the void, and when we felt like no one around us was hearing us, when no one around us cared, when all the doors seemed closed and all the windows seemed shuttered, and, and we, we, were, we were just stuck and lost and everything, what did we pray? Oh, blessed Divine Mother, give me that precious breadcrumb. Just one breadcrumb. Just one breadcrumb. That's all I ask. And when we go through life with one eye in and one eye out, with the conviction that we will never be forsaken, that we are never forsaken, we are never abandoned, exactly Benjamin Raphael. Give us this day our daily bread. And if we go through life with that attitude, with that, from that perspective, that we are not forsaken, we will never be forsaken, and that if we look each and every day in our life for just one breadcrumb, one sign, one hint, one clue, one gift, one boon, one blessing, one little miracle, one little serendipity, one little intuition, one little insight, inspiration, little moment of joy, of bliss, of happiness, which, which filled our hearts and gave us a little reprieve, a little taste of heaven. All of that counts. Each and every one of any any such moment that reminds you, hey, God is great. And God is in me. My divine mother is looking out for me. She just gave me this little moment of beauty, this moment of rest, this moment of peace, this moment of calm. It's a gift. It was a breadcrumb. We pick up that breadcrumb and we transform the impression of that breadcrumb 
that moment of peace, that moment of clarity, that little intuition, that little insight, that little inspiration, that boon, that sign, that hint, that that thing that we overhear on the bus, but it's exactly the, the, from a complete stranger, but it's exactly the thing that we hear that we needed to hear in that precise moment. And, and all of a sudden there's this, this wave of wisdom and, and, and knowledge that comes over us because somehow our divine mother orchestrated us to be on that bus and this complete stranger next to us, him talking on a cell phone and him saying the words that we needed to hear. That's serendipity. And we take that moment, that knowledge, the recognition of that moment, the divinity of that moment, and we transform it. We swallow it. We Impressions are like food. But, it's, but that now that breadcrumb, which was just a breadcrumb, is now this incredible banquet. It's mana from heaven. It's like the it's like the Latinus bread from the the Latmus bread from Lord of the Rings, the elven bread, that even a small piece can fill the stomach and 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 freshen the body and energize the soul for days. It's a magical mana from heaven that breadcrumb. All you need to do is ask and seek and find one breadcrumb each and every day and eat it for what it is, mana from heaven, and know that that's what you're transforming, that impression that you're taking into your body. Anything that you take into your body, including your mind, is, is food. What you take into your body through your mouth is food for your body. What you take into your body through your eyes and your ears is food for your mind, food for your heart, food for your soul. So we have to beware what we allow to come into our body, yeah? So that is what the mana from heaven in the Old Testament means, not a literal bread that my religion used to teach. Precisely. Mana from heaven is give us this day our daily bread, that which nourishes us, the breadcrumbs on the trail guiding us along the path. And we don't want to give anything away necessarily. If anybody plans to uh, read this article on the Divine Mother, but we've mentioned this before. We're, we might as well get into it because we began tonight's live stream talking about conviction the courage of conviction and we used a real life case study and a film a film about a real life miracle and a man who followed the courage of his conviction 
and as a result saved 75 souls and inspired an entire company of soldiers in a remarkable way and his story has the power to inspire millions because the the film hacksaw ridge has the potential to inspire millions here is another film this one is called the bounty as you can see and it is um stars anthony hopkins and a very young mel gibson and here's mel gibson again how's that for serendipity because mel gibson directed hacksaw ridge and now here he is acting in the bounty a film from the 80s and of course this film was based on the true life events of whoops the true life events of excuse me the mutiny on the bounty um which was turned into a very famous novel victorian era novel and this is a, a painting by robert dodd 1790 uh depicting the mutiny on the bounty and hollywood um has made several different versions uh, several different films going all the way back uh, we can't remember all of them but uh two of the famous ones this is one of the famous ones just called the bounty and then the other one mutiny on the bounty uh was um no it'll come to me the actors their, their names will come to me but that's not important what's important is that it's a real life event now consider for a moment and it's a and it's a story it's also a story about conviction and about standing up to authority And what authority and what conviction well let's look at the names of the players involved captain william bligh captain william bligh now william another way to say william is bill and bligh there's no getting around it. Bly is B lie. The captain is the one who makes the rules. In other words, he is the he is the law on a ship. In fact, you know, actually, if you've done any research into the Admiralty law, The Captain William Bly, the so 
in other words, bill belie means laws of men belie. Christian Fletcher, the leader of the mutiny, a Christian is one who follows Christ, and a Fletcher is an ancient trade referring to that master who is the one who puts flights on arrows. That's what a Fletcher is. That's his job. It was a specific job putting flights on arrows flights meaning the feathers that make that make arrows fly so follows christ puts flights on arrows in other words christ is the one who gives us divine law and one who puts flights on arrows gives gives flight to arrows so divine law gives flight The bounty is the name of the vessel. And Sri Lanka means resplendent island. And what is the bounty that this vessel is after? They were sent on a mission to bring breadfruit back to England breadfruit in other words mana bounty the vessel which seeks mana on the resplendent island but in order to accomplish that we must commit a mutiny a great mutiny against the laws of men which belie in order that we may give flight to divine law. We're not making any of this up. We didn't have to invent any of this. All of this is there in the name of the ship in the name of the destination, in the name of the cargo, the, the intended cargo, the, the goal, the, the bounty that the ship was after, and in the name names of the key players of the story. Who but the Divine Mother could have orchestrated all of this? Because remember... This is a true story. This is not a fabrication. This is not fiction. This really happened. These are the real names of the people involved. They were really going after breadfruit in Sri Lanka, which means resplendent island. So look at all the little breadcrumbs. 
and it's a story about conviction and about following the courage of one's conviction but if examples like this the bounty if real life examples like hacksaw ridge doesn't give you the the evidence the support the encouragement that you too are here living a drama living a heroic journey living a destiny a story in which you are the protagonist you are the hero you are playing your part and your divine mother is writing the this story unfolding it chapter by chapter by chapter by chapter moment by moment by moment by moment all you need to do is observe it so Sophila says I do all that I can say I am grateful for what I am what I have what I have but in this here and now this breadcrumb can't be felt inside me can't be felt in me inside because we have to live with one eye in and one eye out we have to see we have to develop the eyes to see and the ears to hear we have to find the breadcrumb first we have to see it so for example in this example of the bounty right captain w william bly bill Bly, the laws of men Bly, and christian fletcher you know one who follows christ and puts flights on arrows divine law gives flight it's all there you have to be able to see it you have to be able to live your life as if you were reading scripture because because the living breathing word of god is not bound within the confines of any scripture or any mythology or it's not bound within the stone etchings of any temple in out of ancient times the living breathing word of god is also there but even there it has to be extracted because if you read the bible literally you're not going to get it you're not going to get the essence of the truth and if you go through your life literally you're not going to see and you're not going to hear you're not going to extract the essence you're not going to find those breadcrumbs if you're going through life literally just everything is just on the surface level we have to recognize we have to recognize that the logos as Benjamin is pointing out here is the Word of God is writ large and small in the book of life all life your life our life everybody's life if only we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear it so how do we develop these eyes to see and the ears to hear how do we develop the capacity to know that conviction that's why we mentioned that scene from Hacksaw Ridge where Desmond nearly kills his father because that's that 
that terrifying, traumatic, life-changing moment in his life, he knew, he, it gave him self-knowledge. He knew in that moment that he was a murderer. And then the, the, the realization of that, the knowledge of that, the self-knowledge that I have the capacity not only to take a life, but to take the life of my own father in a fit of rage and anger and frustration and vendetta, the, the realization of that electroshocked him into an awakening and he immediately convicted himself because the evidence was there. The evidence was in his hand, the cocked gun, and in his heart, he had already pulled the trigger. He could not deny himself. He could not deny his own experience. He could not deny the facts. And faced with the facts, faced with the evidence, an honorable man, an honorable woman, an honorable defendant pleads guilty faced with the facts, faced with the evidence and surrenders to the conviction and becomes a convict and surrenders themselves to the court, to the law So in our lives, in our life in the past, we have had life-altering experiences. Have we taken advantage of them? Were we awake? Were we present? Were we mindful? Or did we use those experiences as, as an excuse to play the victim and to blame others? And or to 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 be, become traumatized, and now we've blocked the memory of those those so-called traumatic events out of our mind, and we don't want to deal with them. We don't want to think about them. We don't want to remember them. We don't want to go over them. In our lives, in our past, is a gold mine of untapped, unmined gnosis, unmined knowledge just waiting to be extracted if we have not already done if we have not already done already done so and the way to do that is in meditation to do retrospection meditation the capacity to go into meditation relax concentrate visualize and pray relax completely concentrate without tensing the body without tensing the mind without without creating tension a relaxed concentration visualize events from our life maybe the past day maybe the past week maybe the, maybe the past year maybe 20 years ago and play out those events and visualize them without commentary, without judgment, 
without analysis, without embellishment, just simply press rewind on the tape and play the event. And rewind the tape and play the event. And rewind the tape and play the event. Don't relive the event. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in the emotions and the drama and the pain and the suffering. And you don't want to relive the event. You want to observe the event. Detached. Not identified. Like a forensic investigator watching the Saputa film of the Kennedy assassination. There's that great scene from JFK when they're in court and the, the prosecuting attorney is playing the Saputa film and there's a few frames that he studies says and, and, and Jack Kennedy, his head recoils back into the left, back into the left, back into the left, back into the left. And he's playing the tape over and over again, the film, I should say. Back into the left, back into the left, back into the left. He's trying to hammer home for the jury that the force was pushing him back to the left. That means the force must have been coming from the front and to the right. Because that's how physics works, right? In any case. And he does so dispassionately. As it turns out, it backfires because he's all he's doing is uh, freaking out the jury who are just watching their commander-in-chief getting his head blown off over and over and over and over and over again. They don't have the dispassionate disconnection. They're getting caught up in it. They're reliving the moment, all the pain, all the frustration, all the outrage, all the, all the trauma of it all. He's able to look at it as a dispassionate prosecuting attorney, detached. He's just making a case. He's just seeking the truth. He just wants conviction. Actually, if you recall correctly, it's not maybe it's not a conviction he's after, but he's a defense attorney and he's asking he's 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 trying to get a uh, Lee Harvey Oswald off the hook. But he's what he's trying to do is prove a conspiracy, a criminal conspiracy. That's what he's trying to do. So he is trying to get a conviction. But the point is that we can learn how to perform retrospection meditation and how to use our past experiences in order to learn about ourselves that which we need to know dispassionately detached play the scene over and over again in our mind and relax and concentrate and visualize and don't worry if the answer doesn't come don't worry if the if the the aha moment the eureka moment doesn't arrive just be patient just relax
imagine all those detectives who are have to look at you know they take all their evidence and take all their photos and everything they pin them up on a board and they just sit there and they're just staring at it all day and just for months and months and in some cases years imagine all those detectives working on all those cold cases those unsolved mysteries and they have all this evidence to look at and they can't they can't get the answer they can't get who is the suspect so of course we can go through life feeling like we don't have the answers that we haven't gotten that breadcrumb but that's because we haven't developed the eyes to see and the ears to hear like any good detective we have to be able to use our intuition but we have to that's a muscle we have to develop that that's intuition is a faculty of consciousness we the eyes to see and the ears to hear are the third eye and the throat the throat is the esoteric ear by the way physically the throat makes sound but esoterically it receives sound this is significant This is significant because, and here we will share with you again a very a very personal experience, very of having the courage of our conviction. We've often said, and we said it again on Wednesday night. We don't prepare for these live streams. Apart from the topic and perhaps a handful of visual aids that we feel might be appropriate. In fact, we have some more that we have yet to show. Pardon me, that we have yet to show. But as Benjamin points out here, our words, they flow, they just flow from our heart. And the reason why they're able to do that is because the esoteric ear is the physical throat. What that means is that we don't know what we're going to say until we say it. I mean, I don't know. I, the physical self, I, the me, the, the physical mortal vessel, the messenger here that's actually speaking i don't know what atlas is going to say until i say it because i'm not thinking it it's not coming from my mind Because I'm receiving it 
in the throat and then I speak it with the throat. That means I have to put all my faith in my innermost, in Atlas, and in my ability or capacity to hear and share, express as I've received it. And to be able to do so live in front of however many people or type into a article for posterity's sake or well these videos are there for posterity's sake too so why not but that's because i have the courage of my conviction i often have to stop and reread what I just typed. And then I'm in awe of what I just typed. God is great. The Logos is, is and all I can be is humbled that these words are coming through my fingers. That I'm, that I'm the 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 a a vessel a a messenger for for these messages for these words where at some point you start to realize you you start to become a, a Is that why when Moses was sent by God to speak to Pharaoh, he did not really know what to say, but rather God put the words into his mouth? Yes, precisely. He has the ears to hear via the esoteric ear, correct. Well, you're very welcome. This is why when Jesus speaks in the Bible, he says, my father in heaven, my father in heaven, my father in heaven. Because the man, the physical vessel, is just a messenger. And that's why we, we say we, I don't say I, I this and I that. Although some have said, well, if you speak with the words of Atlas, why not Say, I am Atlas. Why not just go and call yourself Atlas and call it a day? We, we may make that leap at some point in the future, but in the meantime, we feel it's more helpful and appropriate to... be an example for others 
and recognize that you don't just wake up one day and you are your innermost being. It's, it does not work that way. Awakening and enlightenment is not like you go from asleep and completely ignorant of your higher self to being a, an awakened, enlightened Buddha. It does not happen that way. It is this gradual process and it's a gradient. And as you progress along that gradient, you will begin to hear and feel and sense and receive more and more and more. And you, you will at some point recognize that you're just a vessel and a servant and a messenger and that and that if you have the privilege of awakening in the astral plane and meeting your innermost being and meeting your divine mother and realizing that the whole of the higher worlds are all inside of you, not outside of you, and that the whole universe, the physical universe, is inside of you, not outside of you, that all of that's just an illusion. And if you have the blessing, the profound and divine gift, the miraculous boon of ever being touched by the Christ. And you experience the perfect multiple unity by being one with it, just for a few moments. You know that, that, that there is no I. There is the I that is we. And there is the I that is all. So you can play this I game or this we game all the way until you get into the absolute. Until you're one with the great I am that I am. But again, it's a nuanced it's, there's, a, there's a nuanced reality to this. Because just as your physical body, you might say, my body, you might say, I, right? But your body is made up of trillions and trillions and trillions of cells. The logos is like that. Right? The, the logos, the, the perfect multiple unity is made up of countless, countless trillions upon trillions and trillions of individual monads, all at different levels, all living different lives, all playing out different dramas. All right. We're getting on in time, and so we're getting into some of the um, ah, some of the nitty-gritty stuff about practical things about okay so you have this courage of a conviction you have this quiet confidence you have this connection to your innermost being so what is it like and and various different things and Roy asks the following question what's the difference between Atlas and Atlas the Greek spelling Okay, so 
we're going to type this into the chat, Roy. Okay. So Attila's project minus the I and the pop the minus the I equals. See that, Roy? <clears throat> now, very quickly, just for Roy's benefit, we're going to say Japanese uh, Shrine Gate. Okay. Uh... Roy, can you observe the uh, image on the screen? Do you see that shrine gate? That's a Japanese shrine gate. Um, that is the entranceway to every shrine in Japan. And in fact, this is a phenomenal thing. This is the, um, the, uh, the shrine, the, the, the shrine of the, uh, a thousand Tori gates. And, uh, there's a YouTube video that we might be able to pull up here. Of um, yeah, here it is. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a twenty. Uh, it's a twenty-minute video. There we go. Here we go. Let's go back. Okay, so um, this this is the. Um, Fushimi Inari Shrine in Kyoto. It's the uh, the Shrine of a Thousand Tori Gates. And again, this is the entrance of every shrine in Japan. And interestingly, it's also now obviously it's the two pillars Jacqueline and Boaz right the two pillars of the tree of life we can make this bigger can't we yeah there we go it's it's not this is not the best video because everybody has their their umbrellas open and the person with the video camera is <laughs> is uh here this is there we go this is this part's better so we were here. We we were here in person, and um, the experience of this—it's like going through a, a portal. It's like going through a, a wormhole, a spiritual wormhole. It's gate after gate after gate after gate after gate. It's like now this particular day and this particular video doesn't do, do it justice, but really you'd have to be there to really uh, have it done justice. And there's a uh, another thing that we can show. 
again, speaking of conviction, um, this is a pond where we walk uh, practically every day. And I don't know if you can you can see make it out. You can just make it out that there's a little floating island here and there's some painted turtles on it. And we were sitting, we always there's a there's a, a picnic table over here. It's out, out of the frame. And we go on our walk. This is the this is the halfway point. We will sit down and we will watch the water and contemplate and watch the turtles and just take a rest and this is also connected to the dog park where we live so people will bring dogs and the dogs come and play in the water and it's a it's a beautiful place to to sit down and chit chat with strangers and watch their dogs i love dogs i love all animals all animals so um <coughs> And it's fun watching the painted turtles sun themselves and so on. So one day I was there and some people came and sat down and I started chatting to them. And I said, so I asked them, I said, do you know the, uh, do you know the uh, uh, North American, the First Nations um, prophecies and legends about Turtle Island? And you know, we were talking about that, about the end times and how how North America is Turtle Island and and whatnot and so forth. And, and then I said, "Well, there's Turtle Island. We have our very little mi in microcosm of Turtle Island right here in our pond." And they thought that was really cool, not really interesting, whatever. And over the course of a week, back in the summer. We had this conversation with two or three people, different people, different days. Just happened to be because beautiful days, sunny days, and the turtles were out sunning themselves, right? So it was easy to have a conversation about Turtle Island. Lo and behold, a week goes by, and we're on our walk. And what do we discover? Someone had put a sign down on the trail pointing to Turtle Island. We didn't do this. And it's fair to say there's a good chance that the people we talked to didn't do this. Somebody did this, and it appeared the week after, in the weeks after we had our conversations with the people about Turtle Island. And what's really, really cool about where they decided to put this sign and which part of the trail
at the entrance at the Tory gate the two pillars this sign is pointing for the traveler for the seeker to pass through the Tory gate the pillars of Atlas the pillars of heaven and earth the pillars of Jacqueline and Boaz the pillars of Hercules this is the path that leads to Turtle Island this is just another one of those little breadcrumbs where in the moment we're just speaking from our heart moment by moment just having a casual conversation with a stranger in the moment talking about what we're seeing turtles on a little island but but having just the confidence and the courage and the conviction to to to, to share that with complete strangers and then being moved or inspired to 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 now put a sign down for all to see so that now everybody that comes here who passes through the gates is going to know that this this what they're seeing with this place where we all converge where we all come together and where the dogs play and where we all sit down in the picnic tables and chit chat and take a rest on our walk and everything this this place is turtle island just a little breadcrumb just a breadcrumb well we're glad sofala that something here tonight has made sense for you and we're glad that you took the time to join us we're glad that everyone took the time to join us you are always welcome and you are welcome to share this video or invite others to come join us if you found this valuable if you feel as though you receive something valuable here and you want to pay it forward you can do that and invite others share with others point others in the direction of our work and our efforts in the same way that somebody was inspired to point in the direction of turtle island just based on a little conversation that we had and who knows maybe they spent hours on the internet researching what turtle island is and what is and the significance of it who knows who knows but um one last thing we'll mention about atlas project and and uh atlas 
and the two T's and whatnot. You'll notice that if you take Attila's project and you take away the I and the apostrophe S, right? You take away the I's. I's are also egos, right? So you subtract the egos. You subtract the ego and you subtract the attachment. That's what an apostrophe is. An apostrophe S is an attachment, identification and attachment with. Again, we didn't make this up, right? We were born this way. We were born this way. And Atlas was a name that was given, that, that we learned, that we, we learned that was our true name. So this was all orchestrated by our Divine Mother. As for Alux, nobody asked, but we're going to tell you. Alux equals all light. Right? All light. Alux. All lux. But it's also al lux. Which, so, I'm going to do this one at a time. So Alex equals all light, right? But Al Lux also means godlike. Right? Like Allah, right? Al Lux, godlike. Our name is Attila Lewis Lenvi meaning our initials are A-L-L. Breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs, signs. The, and when you combine these with some of the other experiences that we've had, some of which we've shared, um, some of which you can read about on our on our blog, but certainly this one um, we've had our share of yeah, that's right. We've had our share of serendipities, and we've had our share of of miraculous experiences. It gives us. The courage of our convictions and and that's why we're here encouraging you to seek seek out the source of your convictions and to prosecute yourself to prosecute yourself your false self under the weight of the evidence and get evidence you gain by by being a witness and by accumulating the testimony evidence objective evidence right be a witness of your own life of those circumstances moment by moment by moment Again, we're going to thank everyone again for joining us. We're going to call it a night. Um, unless there's any other questions that anybody would like to ask.
before we call it a night. Please feel free to do so now. Otherwise, we'll say good night. And we wish you all a pleasant weekend, and we hope to see you again next week. No. You know, often we've we've said this before. We said we we can't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you what some of the topics coming up might be because I don't know. I don't know. But if you have questions that you want to leave for the next time, feel free to leave them for the next time. You can always you can always reach out to us on Messenger or post something on our Facebook or something to that effect. I mean, we're 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 available, right? It's not this is this is not the only forum that you can interact with us certainly but um but we we of course enjoy the the um the interaction and in fact we have the capacity we'll have to look into the capacity of how many people we can host because with the small numbers that come to these uh live streams we might be able to do one like a zoom call and we'll have to look into the details on that and getting everybody to link and how that will work so leave that Leave that with me, and maybe we'll try that next week. And maybe we'll try to do something more like, and have it more of like an, of an interactive type uh, type thing. So thank you all, and uh, we'll say good night. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon.